0: Worship leaders, worship musicians, and those who love to worship. Jesus warns his disciples about the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. What is that? And is there a difference between the two? Let's talk about it. Welcome to Blueprint Sounds, my name is Nathan Smith. Thanks for joining me. Today we're gonna be talking about the yeast or the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But first, I wanna give you something. If you go to my website, blueprintsounds.com, you can get access to my free PDF guide called 25 Chart Topping Arrangement Tricks. If you have a song that you've been working on with your team that is a little lackluster and you wish it could be more interesting, download this PDF and it gives you 25 great ideas for ways to grab and keep your audience's attention throughout a song. It gives you a couple sentences about why that trick works, and then it gives you a song from the radio so that you can hear the trick in action. Again, you can go to my website or you can click on the link nearby, www.blueprintsounds.com forward slash 25 tricks. All right, with that said, let's get to today's topic. Our passage today is in Matthew. We're in chapter 16, Just after Jesus has fed a crowd of 4,000 people with loaves and fish, the Sadducees and the Pharisees come to him and they demand to see a sign or a miracle from heaven. Jesus says, no sign will be given. And as he and his disciples go away in a boat, he says this to them. And the disciples came to the other side of the sea, but they had forgotten to bring any bread. And Jesus said to them, watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. We'll condense some of this. The disciples think that he's talking about bread because they forgot to bring any. He explains to them what he's actually talking about, and we'll finish up verse 12. Then they understood that he did not say to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So that brings up a question, what is the yeast or the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees that Jesus is referring to? Well, it helps to know a little bit of the history of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. The Sadducees were the aristocracy of the day. So as we know, Israel is under control of the Roman Empire, and Caesar installs Herod, and there were multiple Herods throughout scripture. There was a line of Herods, but he installs Herod to be in charge of Judea. Well, Herod is the one who built the temple that was even bigger than Solomon's temple. Herod was very much a builder and, you know, got favor for himself and the people that way. Well, the Sadducees were the ones who ran Herod's temple. They were a priestly line, you know, they were born into it, so that's how they claimed their legitimacy. And they were not only in charge of the temple, they were in charge of the treasury, and they were in charge of inspecting all of the animals that came to be sacrificed. So they put all of the importance for Jewish worship on the temple. Because they controlled the institution of the temple, they could keep themselves in power and in money. And here's how they did it. So, God commanded Israel to observe three feasts every year, and every Jewish man was responsible to come and bring his sacrifice to Jerusalem, to the temple, to sacrifice it. Well, under normal customs, you're supposed to bring the best of your land, so, you know, a lamb or a goat, and sacrifice it in the temple, and the the priests would slaughter it accordingly. So, the Sadducees would have the inspectors say, Nope, that lamb that you brought from your own farm isn't good enough. You need to buy one from the temple market at temple prices. Sort of like overpriced popcorn at the movie theater, except that this popcorn determines whether or not God approves of you. Well, it's this corrupt and incestuous system that Jesus hates so much and that he upends the tables of the money changers in the temple. Not only were Jews ripping off other observant Jews who had just come to worship God, they had set up their markets and their money and their animals in the court of the Gentiles. And that was where God had intended Gentiles to be able to come and worship him, even though they weren't Jewish. So Jesus was furious, not only about the cheating, but that they were actively pushing out Gentiles from worshiping God to make a buck. The Sadducees were so angry at Jesus that they teamed up with their longtime rivals, the Pharisees. So whereas the Sadducees were aristocrats, the Pharisees were sort of self-made men. They had studied the law and they became experts of their own account by going deep into the law. Whereas the Sadducees only honored the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, The Pharisees honored the rabbinical tradition. So that's the Talmud where we have all of these interpretations of the law and interpretations and reinterpretations of the law. The Pharisees had become painfully legalistic and Jesus gives an illustration in Matthew chapter 23. Verse 16, Woe to you blind guides who say, Whoever swears by the temple, that is nothing. But whoever swears by the gold of the temple is obligated. You fools and blind men, which is more important, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? That gives you a little picture into the mind of the Pharisees. They loved minutia and arcane nitpicking. They even made laws to where an observant Jew couldn't carry anything heavier than a dried fig on the Sabbath. That's how out of control they were. So here we have these two groups, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And Jesus says to beware of the leaven or the teaching or the influence of both of these groups. Now, the Sadducees and the Pharisees don't exist anymore, but are there any modern parallels that we can see? Yeah. For the Sadducees, it is a spirit of elitism. And for the Pharisees, it's a spirit of legalism. And let me explain. Elitism is all about approval. You know, it's the cool kids. Right? It's the gatekeepers, it's the influencers, it's the tastemakers, it's the people in power telling you if your stuff is good enough or not good enough. And we see it everywhere. We see it in government, we see it in media, we see it in entertainment, we see it in medicine. All over the place, there are those gatekeepers that say, We control the heights. We determine who is approved and not approved. And if you want to get into our club, if you want to be on the in crowd, there's a price to pay. That's just like what happened at the temple with people who would bring their sacrifice to the Lord. Those people were trying to worship God, and yet there was someone saying, no, your sacrifice isn't good enough. That's not acceptable. You need to use our stuff. It's no coincidence that the Sadducees and their spirit of elitism allied themselves with the spirit of Greece or the spirit of humanism and elevating intellectualism and the human form and bodily perfection. All of that stuff, we still see that today. So anytime that you see somebody wanting to be a gatekeeper and saying, if you want to be on the in crowd, there is a price to pay, you know that you're dealing with the spirit of elitism. But what about the Pharisees? How did they gain power? Well, the Pharisees learned how to monetize guilt. The Pharisees were experts in the law. And as we know, the law can only make you guilty. It can only make you conscious of sin. It can't save you. So the Pharisees would run to the law and they would study it and they would wrap themselves in it and they would turn around and accuse everybody else. You're sinful. You're sinful. You're sinful. Of course, we know that everybody's sinful, but the safest place to accuse somebody is when you're wrapped up in the law. So they accuse people and they make up more laws and they find legal loopholes so that they don't actually have to address their own sin in their hearts, but they can follow the letter of the law and disregard the spirit of the law. So those are the two spirits. Those are the two leavens. We have the leaven of elitism and we have the leaven of legalism. But how do they get into a person? How do they gain power over you? Through two lies. The spirit of elitism wants you to believe this lie. I will be legitimate when people accept me. And for legalism, the lie is this. I can make myself holy. So how do we combat those two spirits? By doing exactly what Jesus did. And we're going to go back to the story of Jesus' baptism by John the Baptist. We're in Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answering said to him, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So John obviously knows who Jesus is, that he is the Messiah. And so he's wondering, why does this baptism need to take place? Well, Jesus says it's fitting to fulfill all righteousness. And part of it, I believe, is because Jesus did it as an example to show us what's necessary, because Christians, after a time, should be baptized. Well, what's the point? Well, it's very clear from Scripture that Jesus is the son of God and that he is approved by God. It says, my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That's what Jesus uses to fight against the spirit of elitism from the Sadducees. The Sadducees believe that they're born to privilege and they have a right to rule because of their heredity. Well, obviously, Jesus's authority and his heredity supersedes their heredity. So when they question his authority and appeal to their elitism and say, you know, you're unaccepted, it doesn't mean anything to Jesus. He's the Son of God, and he knows it. But what about the legalism of the Pharisees? Many times through scripture, they accuse Jesus of doing something. Okay, you're, you don't wash the outside of the cup, or your disciples do what is unlawful on the Sabbath. And Jesus points out that all of the things that the Pharisees are trying to hold up that Jesus has broken these laws about, those are all man-made laws. Jesus never broke one God-given law. He only broke the traditions of men. And so, his righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees. He is completely blameless. So, whether it's the Sadducees or the Pharisees, there is nothing about their accusations that stick to him. But what about us? We're not perfect. I'm not Jesus. So, all of us in some way have fallen short. So, don't those accusations stick? No. Because if we follow the example of Jesus, we take up our cross and we die. When we follow Christ into death, that nullifies the law of sin and death, right? It no longer has any hold on us because you can't judge a dead man. But when we're born again by the Spirit, we're born into the family of God. That means that the spirit of elitism no longer has a hold on us because it can't claim heredity. Because we can We are brothers and sisters of Christ. So in the death and the resurrection, we find that we are able to overcome both of those spirits, the spirit of legalism and the spirit of elitism. Now, while that does begin in salvation, it continues throughout our life. Just like it says in the Bible, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. So my prayer for you is that you would continually ask God to purge out of your life the leaven of the Pharisees, and the Sadducees. Anything that smacks of elitism or anything that smacks of legalism, we don't have any part of because we're already accepted by God and we're already blameless, not because of what we did, but because of what Christ did. Hey, I hope that video helps you and explains some things. And if you need help with your arrangements, go to blueprintsounds.com forward slash 25 tricks. All right, God bless and goodbye.